What a privilege it is to be together again in the Lord's house tonight and definitely thank the Lord for this morning and I praise God. Never want to take it for granted when you can feel the presence of the Lord somewhere. You know, God doesn't have to meet with us, but I'm thankful this morning that it was evident that God met with us and I'm so thankful for that. I just want to praise God aforehand already for the service this evening as well as that which God had blessed us with this morning and uh, appreciate some of my family coming back again. Um, it was kind of a joke this afternoon. I really didn't want to forget everybody that was here and my family coming out this morning. And uh, I figured I'd save my dad and my stepmom for last because there's no way I could forget them. And I went and forgot them. I never even said that my dad was here. So there was kind of a joke. Me and my brother always joke around about who the number one son really is. And uh, it's really for his own sake because I'm the number one son. But... Uh, <laughs> They, they said that I'm, I'm not number one son anymore because I didn't even mention my own daddy. But uh, here I stand redeemed. Amen. <laughs> but no, I appreciate both sets of my grandparents are here tonight. Um, so, uh, and it's good to see each and every one of you as well. Some familiar faces back again this evening. I spent some time in prayer, obviously much before ever coming here uh, to Pennsylvania and, uh, but tonight as well, this afternoon, spending some time in prayer, just seeking God's face, what the Lord would have for us this evening. And I just want to share something simple with you, a little bit of a different look at some familiar passages in the word of God found in the book of first Kings, first Kings chapter number 17, to be exact. Now, some of my favorite passages in the old Testament are in the book of the Kings. I just feel like there's so much there, uh, for us to study from. And uh, I want to look at something here uh, that uh, in my daily Bible reading through the book of the Kings that uh, I basically had a question and, uh, about the scripture that I'm about to read here for just a moment. I don't think we should question God's word, but I believe it's okay to ask questions. You know, for example, I see something sometime and say, I wonder why maybe the Lord had it um, done this way. Now, sometimes we don't have answers for that because the Bible simply says that his ways are higher than ours, okay? And his thoughts are not our thoughts. But I think that it makes for good Bible study when we're reading and sometimes we ask those questions to ourselves. And that's exactly what happened here with what I'm going to share with you tonight. It's a question that I had and I said, I wonder why God used these for that. And it's in the life of Elijah. Elijah was a great man of God, was a faithful man of God. And the Bible gives a lot of details about the ministry of Elijah. And I want to share with you some things tonight out of 1 Kings chapter 17. And it's okay if this is not familiar scripture to you tonight because we're going to go over it. But for many of you, I'm sure some point in time in your life you've probably heard some preaching out of this text. And this was just something that God had shown me that I want to share tonight. Use it basically for a reminder. So all that it is tonight is basically just a reminder to us in these services and for this evening. So 1 Kings chapter number 17, I'm going to begin reading simply in verse number 1. And we'll read the first six verses, and then I'll just talk to you for just a moment, and you'll say amen, and we'll go home. Amen. Some of you remembered from this morning, some of you didn't. But that's okay. Now, if you're able to stand with me, would you mind standing for the reading and honoring of God's word for just a moment? Only if you're able, if you're able. Verse number one, chapter 17 says, talks about the ministry of Elijah. It says, And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. He says, There's going to be a drought. 
and according to my word, according to the word of God, that there's going to be a drought according to this time and this point that I say unto thee. And the word of the Lord came unto him saying, get thee hence and turn eastward and hide thyself by the brook Cherith that's before Jordan. So God told him, now that you've delivered the message, get up and I want you to go and hide over here by this brook. And verse number four says, and it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went and did according unto the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelt by this brook, Cherith, that's before Jordan. And the Bible says in verse 6 that the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank from the brook. And verse number 7 simply tells us, and it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. I asked myself, why did God use ravens? Why did God use ravens? There's all kinds of other birds that are mentioned in the Bible. And I know you say, well, this is revival. What are we talking about ravens for? But if you bear with me a moment, I want to show you something. I believe God reminded me, and it's a blessing, and I just want to share it with you tonight. And the message title is simply called tonight, A Reminder, or Reminders from Ravens. Let's pray. Father, how I thank you in the name of Jesus tonight, Lord, for just an opportunity again that we have just to gather in the house of God. Father, I pray that everything tonight that's done and said would be for your honor and glory. Father, I ask for the spirit of God's anointing. Lord, I understand tonight, Lord, that without you, we can't do anything. We confess our dependency on you. And we pray, God, by the Holy Spirit of God, that you would touch every one of our hearts, Lord, that you would stir us tonight, that you would draw us closer. And Lord, as always, we pray, if there's someone here today that does not know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior, that today would be the day of salvation. God, remind us from your word tonight the blessing of knowing you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And you may be seated. So God has Elijah deliver a tremendous message of judgment. This was not a sugar-coated message at all. Elijah went straight to the king, the leader of the land, and told them there's going to be a drought according to the word of God in my mouth, and I've said it to you, and you're going to see it come to pass. And the reason was is because that Israel was rebelling against God. Now, God didn't bring judgment immediately. God actually sent prophets or uh, uh, men of God that would come and speak the word of the Lord and ask them to repent, who would literally tell them about the sin that they're committing, the disobedience and rebellion against God. And God said, if you do not listen to me, what's going to happen is I will have to judge your sin. And so they would not hear They would not hear. Again, another message, they would not hear. And finally, now the time has come. What we're reading here is that it's time that God says, now you're going to reap the reward of your wrongs and of your disobedience. And God brings a drought upon the land. And God literally takes care of Elijah. He sends him to a desert place to this brook where he is nourished. He drinks from the brook. And there, God commands ravens to feed him. Now, I want to just share with you a few things about ravens. Now, some of y'all may not really care about ravens, but nonetheless, I want to share just a few things about ravens so we understand literally what we're talking about. The appearance of a raven. It's the general appearance of a raven. It kind of resembles a crow. Everyone knows what a crow is. Okay, they're everywhere. They're, they're in Ohio, trust me. They're all across the United States, the crow. But the raven is kind of a little bit larger 
than literally the crow is. It's almost two feet in length. It has glossy black feathers, has whiskers around the beak. It's really not pretty at all. It's ugly. Ravens are kind of ugly, if you just want to be honest. And ravens don't have anything that looks special about them. They're completely black, and they have these pointed feathers around their neck. There's about eight different species in this time during the, in the Word of God that we've just read. And there's still about that approximately that much today. They're very numerous. They were all over, so they were a very common bird. They were very familiar with what a raven was. This was not a new concept to Elijah whatsoever. So it is believed that the ravens that were uh, basically in the land then are just exactly the same as the ones that you and I really kind of know of today. Ravens in their appearance are very general. Now, where ravens stand out among, among maybe other birds that God's created is that they're highly intelligent. Ravens themselves are very, very uh, intelligent, intelligent creatures. It's been an object of mankind interest for thousands of years, literally. It has shown the ability to be able to speak sentences when it is taught to do so. Now, some of you that are in school now, I don't know if they still do it, but when I was in school, there was still, you know, there was, uh, there was a poem that we had read by Edgar Allan Poe and has this raven in it. And literally, uh, he speaks about the raven in it. And there were other different uh, types of literary or literature that you would maybe study that had ravens in its, its point of focus. But their intelligence was something that kind of set them apart from other creatures, There was even a documented account by a historian that literally records that during a time of drought that a raven found a bucket, a small bucket by a grave and literally dropped stones in that bucket that had a little bit of water in to raise the water level high enough for that raven to actually reach the water. So they demonstrate a very, very high quality of uh, literally uh, just basically intelligence, okay? So God tells him... God tells him that I am going to command the ravens to feed you there. And the ravens obey. They obey. Now, we understand that ravens are highly intelligent. But do you really know where the intelligence lies? The, our intelligence today, our, I should say, basically, uh, um, um, wisdom today that God gives us is not found necessarily in test scores. It's not found necessarily in degrees. It's not found necessarily in schooling. It's found in obeying the word of God. The Bible says plainly to you and I that wisdom, literally in Proverbs 9 and 10, it says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the holy is understanding. The raven had enough sense to do what God told it to do. The raven is smarter than some people today. Literally, the raven at least did exactly what God told it to do. Now, so God says, you go and I'm going to command the ravens to feed you there. Now, the raven is something that maybe Elijah maybe wasn't too thrilled with. Maybe at first, I have no idea. But literally, the actions of the raven... Literally itself or something that caused folks to think that it's a very unusual creature. Simply because it's, it's made itself, the way that it acts, it acts kind of crazy sometimes. And literally the way that it acts, it means now that it's kind of surrounded by superstitions, myths, fables regarding the raven. It's extremely, an extremely noisy bird. It's loud. Its cry is very, very rough. And even its young are, are, have such a ravenous cry when they're hungry. So the raven is kind of known a little bit by these uh, unusual actions that they have. But a raven is something, they have a very strong desire for food. 
They, they desire food highly, more and above anything else. The Bible actually gives insight to this in the book of Job in, in chapter 38, as well as in Psalm chapter 147, when it talks about the young ravens that cry. And it gives those examples by that ravenous desire for food or nourishment when they're hungry. Now, I know you're saying, why are you telling me all of these things? I'm glad you asked. I'm going to get there in just a moment. Now, they are omnivores. Okay, now to a country person like me, I had no idea what that is. I'm just being honest. I heard of it in school, but you know, that was 2001 since I've been in school. So I had to like, you know, look it up a little bit. But anyways, an omnivore, basically for those of you like myself, okay, or maybe it's just me only, I don't know. Don't tell me because I'll feel kind of, you know, silly. But an omnivore is literally something that eats anything. Okay, it eats berries, but it also eats dead things. That are found out. It also hunts things that are alive. So an omnivore is something that definitely eats plants, animals, you know, berries, those sorts of things. Will eat all sorts of things, anything that it can find. And it even eats, well, I'm not even going to say it. It just eats everything. We'll just leave it at that, okay? Because of this, they're considered unclean in the Word of God. Unclean means don't touch them. Unclean means you can't eat them. Unclean means if they touch you, that means that you're unclean ceremonially. So they're an unclean bird. So they're considered something's kind of written off. You don't mess with it. You stay away from it. You don't want to be near it because of its actions, because of the way that it eats, the things that it eats, the way that it carries itself. So according to the word of God, it is something that is literally considered unclean. But when I see this, I'm kind of reminded, and maybe this is just simple things, but I'm kind of reminded that aren't you glad That God cares for the things that most people consider dirty, broken, and literally cast off. That's what the raven is. It's literally something considered dirty. It's something considered cast off. We don't want nothing to do with it. And yet God cares for the raven because Jesus talks about it in the New Testament. When he literally tells us, look at the raven. Consider it. It says because God actually feeds this raven. God actually feeds it. When man looks at something and says it's too far gone, it's broken, it's something that needs to be cast off, we need to stay away from it, that literally God is saying, look at this and pay attention because this, I care for this creature. And the fact that God used a raven to feed one of his children, I believe personally that God was sending a message to Elijah in this way. Now, The fact that this area that Elijah's in is in a desert, literally the raven is actually a bird that lives in deep rocky places or even desolate places. Desolate simply means places that mankind does not live but may find himself from time to time. So here Elijah is in a desolate place, a desert place. No one else is around him. He's here by himself. And God sends him these ravens. When I see the fact that God took Elijah away from this place, out of away from the king after he delivered the message, and hides him by this brook in this desert place, reminds me, aren't you glad that God knows how to hide his people in times of trouble? 
Amen. Thank God for that. What a peace that ought to give us that while we live in a world that is chaotic at times and we feel many times like we're literally in the midst of things crashing down and changing all around us, that we can have a comfort and a peace and know that God can take care of and hide his children in the midst of times like we're facing right now. I don't know about you, but I never dreamed that as a daddy, that I would be living at a place in my life where I would struggle how to explain to my children certain things that are going on in this world today. I believe because of that, that being a parent has become harder. We are living in a world that you and I are forced to address things sometimes with children simply because they find things out at young age when they're supposed to be innocent. And that's the type of world that we live in. But I'm thankful, even in the midst of that, that we do not have to fear because God knows how to shelter us and God knows how to protect us while we're in this desert, desolate place at times. Now, I said all that to say this. I'm almost done. It don't have to be long to be good. You can say amen there too. Now, I'm almost done. Why did God use a raven or ravens to feed his prophet, his preacher in the desert? I believe God was sending maybe a message to Elijah, reminding him about some things. That yes, the raven is unclean, but it's not forgotten. Though the raven is unclean, it is unforgotten of God. God cares for it and God uses it. He has a plan for it. So it reminds me simply that while the all of Israel seemed to be at a time when they were forsaking God and forsaking the things of God, that literally God is almost reminding Elijah through using a raven that I understand that there's something right here that's unclean, but I want you to understand it is not forgotten of me and I have a purpose for it. It's like God's reminding Elijah, hey, you know what? My people are the same way. They might be in sin. They may be at a place where they're unclean, but I have not forgotten them. And he says, I have a purpose for them. God intended by bringing judgment to wake his people up so that they would repent and come back to him where God desired them to be. And I literally see here in the life of a raven, a picture of someone who once was lost, but now is found. You say, how? Because since a raven is so literally ravenous and only seeks food for itself, the raven does not share. Actually, the raven won't even share its food with another raven. And actually, because they're so intelligent, if they feel like another raven is watching them store their food away, they will literally pretend to hide it and store it somewhere else. So you know that these creatures are so selfish, and yet God takes something that is unclean, something that only seeks its own, and gives it a new purpose because now all of a sudden it is seeking food not for itself but for someone else. And I don't know about you, but that reminds me the difference, the change that Jesus can make in someone who's unclean and someone who other folks might say is forgotten. And literally now it shows a new nature because the raven is doing something that is completely opposite of what it ever has done before. 
What I find today is this. When you give your heart to Jesus, there is an instant change in your life. Instant. Instant change in your life. I want to share something with you. When I was still living in Pennsylvania, I was working in Lewisburg for East Buffalo Township. And I used to mow the ball fields over there. And I would notice about like a 70s, really general colored van, no windows in it. The kind, to be honest, it's the kind that everyone stares at because they think they just got to be up to something no good. (laughs) You know you've done it already. You see a van with no windows, y'all do it too. (laughs) But there's this van just sitting there, it's kind of run down. You know, to this day, I don't remember this man's name. But I felt the prompt of God in my heart to go talk to him. I'm mowing, I keep seeing him. So I know, I'm thinking, this guy's homeless. Okay, he's homeless. He's living in this van. Okay. And you say, around here? Yeah, around here. He's homeless. And I go talk to him, and I cannot remember this man's name. But he's dirty. You can tell that he's homeless because he ain't getting showers nowhere. And I feel God tell me that I need to talk to this man. So I go up and I'm fixing to witness to him. I want to talk to him. Everyone stays away from this man. I've never seen anyone approach him. Everyone stays away from it. You know how everyone is. They're just looking at it. Staying away. Drives around. And this man's sitting here in this park at the same time every day for a certain amount of time. And I also am still living here. So I see it parked behind Walmart sometimes. Or, or behind the little plaza in front of Walmart sometimes. At night, stuff like that. So I noticed this van kind of moved around. So I know this man doesn't have a place to live. And I don't know his name. That's a bad thing. I'm horrible with names. Sometimes I cheat and just say, hey, brother, hey, sis. I don't remember y'all's name for nothing. But it was like 12 or 13 years ago. So I have good valid reason to forget But I walked up and I talked to him and I just made, all I know is I made general conversation with this man. And he starts telling me his story. He says he works, but he ain't making enough money. He works at a job, he's hardly getting paid, but he's at least trying to do something. And he told me, he said, literally he said, I don't make enough money to technically be able to get myself a place to even start. He's trying to do what he can, but he's living in the back of this van. And he tells me, he said, sometimes in the winter, he says, my jugs of water, he says, freeze solid. He says, I lay in the back of this van and I just want to die. He said, I just hope that I die. He said, because I'm so miserable. And I'll never forget what he said to me. He said, sometimes I think, sometimes I feel like I somehow fell through the cracks in heaven and God forgot about me. And I looked him in the eye and said, son... God didn't forget about you. He knows exactly where you are. And He loves you. And He began to talk to this man. But you understand that there are other people in this world that a lot of us are saying, we ain't going near that one. We ain't going anywhere near them. Because, and many times we'll look at them and say, oh, they're unclean. Oh, and they're forgotten. We just, we're busy about our own lives and we just need to forget these people. And literally, God is saying, I've not forgotten them. Yes, they may be unclean. Yes, they may be a sinner. Yes, but they need to be saved. I still love them, and I still have a purpose for their life. You would not believe the people 
that maybe even sit in this church that feel like God has forgotten them. The devil whispers in their ear and says, God has forgotten you. And literally that you're of no value. But God says, listen, he's reminding Elijah, he's reminding us that those things in this life, these people that so many folks say, well, they're just unclean and they're forgotten of God. God says, I love them and have a purpose for these people. I've got to witness this firsthand. One of the ministries that I'm a part of is called Eagle's Nest Ministry. And one of the things that we used to do is every single Thursday night down in a suburb of Cincinnati, down at the church where my father-in-law pastors in Carthage, outside of Cincinnati, we would make a meal for folks to just come off the street and come into this place and sit down and we'd preach five minutes of salvation to them. And we'd feed them a hot meal, give them clothes, and they'd go and they'd come back the next week. And this is what they did. That was the only church that they went to. I watched people walk in this place and literally pick out clothes off the rack, go into the bathroom, change, and throw their dirty clothes that they wore for the last two weeks in the trash. These people that so many, some of them stumbled in drunk. Some of them were prostitutes. Some of them, they were the people that so many people look today and say, stay away from those. And you know how many of them, when they would hear the gospel, we would see tears running down their faces, their heart broke and realize that there's a God in heaven who loves them, has not forgotten them and wants to save their soul. We live in a day where we're kind of so far removed from those things. In the areas that we live, sometimes we don't always see these types of people. But, you know, it may not be that there's prostitutes here and there and there's drunks walking around all over the place. But there are people who think that God has forgotten them. And it is our responsibility to tell them, yeah, I understand that you may feel about as dirty as they come. I'm not talking physically. I'm talking, yes, you may feel like you are sinned so much that how can God love you? And that you may feel like you're totally forgotten of the Father. But you're not. You're not. The devil's lied to you. He sold you a false bill of goods. My wife, this is somewhat separate, but I'm going to share this and I'm going to close. The two children that you see me have today are not all the children that I have. When me and my wife got married, she got pregnant shortly after we got married. Because I'm like, let's have these kids now. So when I'm 60, they're gone. (laughs) Love them, learn them, make me some grandkids and visit But you know what? We went and heard the heartbeat at the hospital um, because of a complication. And they said, hey, the baby's okay. Everything's fine. We still see the heartbeat. It was like five weeks. You can see it just... And we went for our three-month appointment, and they couldn't find a heartbeat. They sent us to Geisinger, couldn't find a heartbeat. They said, you miscarried. And that's something a lot of people don't talk about, miscarries. But it's so common. And we say, oh, well, you never hold a baby. That's, that's the worst thing you could ever tell somebody like that. Because it's a life. If you believe the word of God, 
then that is a soul and that is a life. And you know, that was really, really hard to get through, but God's faithful got us through it. And you know, out of nowhere, a little bit later, here comes Kaylee. Boom. We find out we're pregnant again after God kind of healed our hearts up. And so a year later, here comes Kaylee. Almost every single year since Kaylee was born, my wife has been pregnant and miscarried every single time. The doctor's done all that they could do. We went to about every doctor under the sun. They ran about all the tests they could on her, all the tests they could on me. And you know, my wife believed, and so did I, with all of our hearts that God had promised he's going to give us another child. We, she literally had eight miscarriages. Some people, I know they thought we was crazy. Like, why are you still trying? Because you get so destroyed every time that you get pregnant and end up miscarrying. Time and time again, my wife, after the eighth one, went into the deepest, darkest depression. She just, and I stood there and there was nothing I could do to stop it. I've done everything in my power to stop this downward spiral into depression. At this time, she'll openly talk to you about it. But for a year, I did not have my wife. She was there, but she wasn't there. She felt like she was forgotten. The devil climbed up on her shoulder and says, take your life. Tried to get her to commit suicide. She would literally have thoughts. And the deepest, darkest of this depression, thoughts just to end her life. And she's a child of God. And these thoughts, the devil says, look, it just ended. She wasn't even seeing the Kaylee, the other child that we had right there. It's like she couldn't see it. She just got sucked into this place where she felt undone and forgotten of God. But then one day, one day, one day in one service, She stood up. She would sit in church and not even feel anything anymore. She felt totally numb. But she kept praying. She did her best to go through the motions. And she went through this and felt totally unforgotten of God. She knew she wasn't, but she felt that way. And then one day, something happened. God reminded her that she was not forgotten. She went up to the altar one day and just broke on the altar. She went up many times before, but she broke on the altar. And she got up and later told me, she said, I gave every single one of our losses to the Lord. And then the next service or two, she went up and I watched her pick up my nine-year-old daughter, walk up to the altar and sit her down on it. And prayed and said, Lord, I give you the only one that I got now. And I don't know how long it was later, but one service. One service. And she felt the weight lift. She knew she wasn't forgotten of God. God says, I got a purpose. What I told you that I'm going to do, I'm going to do. And there was one service where she felt God speak to her. And she got up and she came up to the altar And she bowed down and she prayed and she asked God for a child and got up from the altar and felt the peace of God that God heard her and he had a purpose 
for all the things that we went through at that point. But he had a purpose that he was going to give us another child. And you know, it wasn't long. There was another couple at the church there. The same time they went up at the altar, they were having complications as well. And do you know that they got pregnant? We got pregnant and our due dates were one day apart between them and us. And that little baby is sitting back there right now to prove that the devil said, you're forgotten of God. He's not going to answer your prayer. You are totally un, you're unforgotten. You're, you're forgotten completely. Oh, you've done this wrong. You've done that wrong. And it's your fault this. And the devil would browbeat her to the point that she felt like God did not remember her anymore. But God showed her. He said, I never forgot you. Folks, there is a world full of people who go through things that they just feel like they're forgotten. They feel like they're out there. No one wants to mess with them. People that are broken and undone. And I believe God used this example in the Bible of a raven, something that's unclean, something that no one wants any part of, don't want to touch. And God used this thing, gave it a new purpose to bring something to one of his children. Aren't you glad that God can take you when you're dirty and he can clean you up and set you on a new path and he can literally use you to do things that you could never do when you were in sin? That's a new life. God gave a raven a new life, a new purpose, and he can do the same thing for you. Some of you are here tonight and you feel like that. You're broken, undone. You pray, but you feel like God's not listening. Oh, He is. I want you to understand there are lies of the devil that tell you that He don't love you, that tell you that you've sinned so much, that He doesn't listen, doesn't want nothing to do with you, can't forgive you, can't pull you out of this. They are lies of the devil. And I don't know about you, but I'm all right with standing up and telling folks that the devil's lying to them because God loves each and every one of us. And I believe he wants to help you today. If you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the devil says you've sinned too much. You're too dirty for him to ever forgive you. But aren't you glad that God can use the most vilest, dirty thing that no one wants to be a part of and He can make it clean and give it a new purpose? If you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, what a wonderful thing it would be if you would come here tonight and pray in the most simplest yet sincere words that you can ever muster and say, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner and I just want you to save me. I want you to forgive me. And the Bible says that whosoever you are, if you call on the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. The devil says, just put it off. You don't need this. God ain't going to hear you. The devil don't want you to get right with God. He don't care about you. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. But the Lord has come to give life and to give it more abundantly. And maybe you're here tonight and you're a child of God, but you feel like you're at a place that you're just broken to pieces. I want you to understand He ain't forgotten you. He sees you and He'll deliver you. Maybe tonight's the night that you come and you lay it all out 
before Him and watch Him do what only He can do. I wonder if we could have a song maybe played on the piano. Whatever you feel led to play, I would appreciate it so much. Just something by way of an altar call tonight. I know this is an unusual message. I just preach to y'all about a bird. But what a tremendous example in the Bible that God uses this dirty, unclean thing and gave it a new purpose. Folks, he did that to me. He did that to me. Filthy, unclean. But I came to him broken and said, Lord, I'm nothing but pieces. But I, to give you what I got left, if you'll forgive me and save me, here I am. Take me. And oh, how I felt something flood my soul. Oh, how I felt something happening. When I got up and wiped the tears from my eyes, I felt brand new all over. Jesus will do that for you tonight. If we bow our heads for just a moment, no one looking around, I wonder this. Maybe you're here tonight, you say, Preacher, I'm not saved. I feel broken. I feel like I've sinned so much that God can't forgive me. Oh no, how I want you to pray for me tonight, Preacher. Would you pray for me? If I see your hand shoot up and put right back down, I'll just be praying for you. I won't come to your seat. I will not mention your name. I won't embarrass you. But if you trust me tonight to be one who will pray, how about it? Would you raise your hand for a moment and put it right back down? You're saying, I'm not saved. Would you pray for me, preacher? I'm not saved. Would you pray for me? Anyone at all? Would there be an honest hand tonight that would go up and right back down that you're saying, I'm not saved, preacher? Pray for me. If I see your hand, that's what you're telling me. How about it? Anyone at all? Quickly, right now, between me and you and God. God bless you. I see your hand. Oh, I'm going to be praying for you. I'm going to be praying for you. But I ask you tonight, you've responded. That shows me that you want to be saved. Shows me that you know you need to be and that shows me you can be. If you'll come tonight and pray and ask the Lord to forgive you, to save your soul right here tonight, He'll come right where you are and He'll forgive you, wash your sins away and He'll bring you into the family of God. Maybe tonight you say, Preacher, I'm saved, but I feel like I'm in that desert place, that desolate place. I feel broken. The devil's climbed up on my shoulder and just says, huh, you're a failure. You're messing everything up. God doesn't remember you anymore. You might as well just go ahead and just give up. Maybe that's you tonight. I will make you the same promise. I won't embarrass you. But maybe you just want prayer tonight. Would you lift your hand for a moment and put it back down? Anyone at all? Anyone at all? You say, preacher, that's me. God bless you. I see your hand. I saw your hand. God bless you. Someone else. You say, look, that's me, preacher. That's me. Thirdly and finally, maybe tonight, you know somebody like that. You know somebody that thinks that they've been forgotten. 
Or maybe you know somebody that no one else seems to bother with. But you know in your heart God's saying there's something there. Maybe tonight you need to come and pray at this altar and say, Lord, help me to find these people that feel like you've forgotten them and remind them that you haven't and that you love them and that you want to save them. You have a purpose for them. God, give us the heart of a soul winner. Maybe some of you got children. They're out in sin. You want to come lay them down at the altar tonight, asking God to get a hold of their hearts. Whatever it would be tonight, all over the church house, would you care to just stand? If you're able to stand, would you stand? Listen, some of you have raised your hands tonight for one reason or another. I ask you as this song is playing, would you care right now? Would you come down to this altar? No one's going to judge you. You've done more things in life that take, that took more courage than what it takes to take one step this way. Won't you come down to this altar tonight? As she's playing a beautiful song, won't you respond to the Lord who spoke to you tonight? Some of you have admitted, admitted such things. Won't you come tonight? And there's someone tonight that raised their hand that they're lost. Sometimes the Christians just need to pave the way. How about it? Would you come? God bless you. How about it? Anyone else? Would you come tonight? Would you come tonight? I believe God's dealing with people. Oh, how He wants you to respond. How He wants you to respond. These are my nieces and nephews, my nephews and my niece here, and uh, they just want to say something real quick and just tell you what the Lord did for, did for them. I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm saved. I had no idea that the Lord was going to do that tonight. <laughs> but uh, I'm so thankful, uh, folks. We just witnessed God save three people at once. Whew. I'm telling you, I don't know about you, but what a day we've had. <laughs> what a day that we've had. I appreciate you. I appreciate your pastor. I'm going to turn things over to him, but praise God for saving souls. Amen. 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 And I uh, just praise God tonight. Oh, thank you, God, for your faithfulness. Thank you, Jesus, that you hear us. 
Thank you that, uh, oh God, you know when we're in a barren place and uh, you have a purpose. That's beautiful. Thank you. Amen. Praise God. Anybody want to share a testimony tonight? I don't want to take the opportunity away from anybody. Anybody want to give a word? What's that? Amen. Nancy, amen. Glad I'm saved. Ready for heaven. All right. I just want you to know that uh, this is our first time ever coming here, but when we came into the doors, uh, I just felt the warmth of God's presence. And I just, especially during the the songs, God's spirit just uh, filling my heart, and I'm sure everyone else in, in it. It was a thrilling, a thrilling thing to know that, you know, God's presence is, isn't just limited to the church I normally attend, but his presence is, uh, and I, I felt such a strong presence of the love of God here. And I just want you to know how much I appreciate that. And it shows the, the love of, uh, of, of all of you that's being demonstrated. Thank you. So glad you could be with us. Uh, I'm thinking all around the world, God's Holy Spirit is speaking to people. And churches all over, some that are a lot like us and some that aren't like us at all. But it's one Spirit, one God and Father who is above all and through all and in all. Praise His holy name for who God is. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for speaking to our hearts. Praise God. Praise God. Uh, anybody else? All right. I'm Josh's dad. Back September 26th, 1982, my mother-in-law told me I was at a hospital. Uh, her daughter and I were together at the time. And Glenda walked up to me, and I'm looking at Josh in the nursery. And she said... That boy is going to make you proud someday. She's right. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Oh, my. Oh, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. It's good to be with God's Spirit and and seek His Spirit tonight. Anybody else? Thank you for being here. Thank you, tech team, who again, double duty. And those that are with us on the phone or on the internet, I can't see you, but God bless you tonight. May God speak to you. And, and uh, we're glad you're with us. And may God encourage you and meet your needs. Tomorrow night, 7 o'clock, Lord willing, we'll be together. Invite someone. Uh, let's seek God's Spirit. Continue to seek God's Spirit. It's been a good day today. It's been a good day of listening to God's Word and these young people who have made that decision. Uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, may God lead you and guide you. I'm so excited about that. I'm just so thrilled and I'm blessed. And uh, all of those, whether you're here or in the front or online, seeking God's Spirit tonight. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. See you tomorrow night if you're able to. God bless. Thank you.